Good evening, everybody, from the quarantine ward um, that is my household. Uh, that's it's not that's kind of an exaggeration. I do not have COVID, thankfully, um, so I can play my weekend match. Uh, unlike some people, Arsenal. Um, but uh, I do have somewhat of a cold, and I'm recovering from that. So if I seem a little bit down tonight, it has nothing to do with the fact that West Ham lost to Leeds on Sunday. It is mostly due to that cold. Um, but fortunately, uh, my co-hosts are a bit closer to 100% health than I am. Uh, although, Caleb, you said you were sounding, you, you, you were feeling not not super great. Um, how How is... Uh, how are things going out there in Georgia, i.r.e. the COVID battle? I think it's getting bad everywhere right now. Yeah, it's about as bad here in terms of the number of people who have COVID and have been exposed to it as um, it's ever been. And hospitals are overwhelmed and all those kinds of things. I mean, you know, it's uh, good news, at least initially, appears that uh, Omicron is not as deadly as previous variants. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, being super sick during the winter and you know, that applies to otherwise healthy folks and not folks struggling with other things. So it's it's definitely a, a rough time out here. And uh, and it's it's a weird time of year when you don't feel well. You're like, well, is it COVID? Is it <laughs> post-Christmas cold. depression? Is it seasonal <laughs> depression? Is, is it, it a flu? <laughs> is it just a regular viral infection? Is it so, a cold? Is yeah. It, uh, it's Who just knows? a million different could be, things. Could be a, just stay inside if you can and uh, – yeah. And uh, you know, wrap yourself in a blanket, and you know, make people like Jordan bring you food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those the the essential workers. No, um, I mean, I, I I probably I possibly could have gone to work today, but it was just a matter of well, I still feel crummy. I haven't taken a test yet because tests are really stupid hard to find right now. Um, although I guess the government's going to send us some free ones, so yay, free government tests. Um, but uh. But managed to find one, and I just said test negative. But it was just—it's kind of like we're back in—we're back in that time where it's like, oh no, is—is <laughs> this—is this the kiss of death, or is this some of the normal, you know, ailments that we usually pick up? So, so I had no idea. So I just—I kind of hung out at home and and rested. But fortunately, did test negative. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, of of drivers, those people who do. Uh, some great things for us out on the road. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I am full of ivermectin and whatever <laughs> else. Uh, you know, that's been hawked as a uh, as a COVID cure. So I feel like Superman, guys. I don't know about yourselves. Um, <clears throat> it's 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 kind of funny that uh, you know. If we can't identify a target that has specifically wronged us, we just are acceptable. We're we're acceptable with a certain level of death in this country. It's just kind of weird yeah. if you think about it. Um, but, you know, some of us can't take days off, guys. I mean, you know, I can't, I, I can't say, oh, I got a, I got a cold, you know, uh, I can't go to work. I literally have to be... Uh, losing a limb or in some stage of, uh, you know, uh, zombification for me to, uh, not go to work. <laughs> so, so the, who we have on the line with us over is definitely not zombie Jordan that we know of. That's, that's good to know. Cause if it were, no, uh, definitely be. depressed Jordan, yeah. but not well, zombie Jordan. Yeah. There's lots of reasons for that. 
um, which we won't go into. Um, the, the more good news, though, is that the league and leagues that we love and that we love to pay attention to, they are doing, for the most part, fine, um, fan-wise, uh, because the UK, as a population, seemed to decide very early on, hey, we should probably take these vaccines. Um, and so that, combined with, I think, uh, a pretty good booster program, um, uh, which, you know, give credit where credit is due, um, although we can we can talk all the, we we can do it a whole different podcast about the amount of Boris Johnson uh, parties that were had over the past few years, but uh, so fans still in the stadiums. Uh, you know, I, I heard that uh, I think Scotland is going to be relaxing all of its COVID measures here very very soon. So um, I think there was some Scottish league today. I don't think I, I can't. I don't know if they had fans in the stadiums or not, but. They will very, very soon. So, so I mean, it, it's at least starting to get better, and the situation's improving over there. Even if over here we seem to be, uh, we seem to be diving headfirst into winter. Um, but speaking of COVID and this Premier League weekend, we will start um, with uh, the match that wasn't, that didn't happen. Um, so let's just describe the the scenario, the situation here. So I woke up Saturday, um, was starting to feel a little crummy, but that was okay. I was watching City versus Chelsea. And toward the end of that one, uh, as it looked increasingly more likely like City were going to increase their lead at the top of the table, uh, they, decided, they they announced that uh, the request by Arsenal to the Premier League to have the North London Derby postponed and moved uh, had been approved and they would be announcing that it was that it was canceled um, in due course now the reason that Arsenal gave for postponing this fixture is because they only have 13 fit registered first team players so in the Premier League I mean, it used to be 25 I think it might be more now um, but you have a certain amount of registered players that you say you know these are the registered players and a certain amount of them have to be you know homegrown and, and trained and all that stuff. They introduced all this stuff a long time ago. But basically, of those players, there were only 13 of them that were fit, not suspended, don't have COVID, um, you know, are not off on international duty and all those sorts of things. So in this whole mix of players who were not available, there was a grand total of one player who had tested positive for COVID, and that's Martin Odegaard. The rest were, like I said, they were they were otherwise injured um, they were suspended, Granite Xhaka. They were at the African Cup of Nations. Um, and so that was that was the case. And the Premier League, in its infinite wisdom, decided that was enough to call for the suspension of the game. Now, on Friday night, the under-23s played for Arsenal. They played West Ham. I think it was a 1-1 draw, if I remember correctly. Why they couldn't have said, hey, maybe we should not play this game and these under-23s can play in the first team, or let's take a few of these under-23 players and promote them for this weekend. I mean, that just seems like a, a, a wise thing to do in a club system where you're having these players play for you with the general idea being that they would someday play for the first team. I don't know if that's a revelation that uh, has quite hit Mikel Arteta yet. But I, I just I don't get it. This is getting ridiculous. It's it is beyond insane at the moment that 
these matches are still being postponed because some Premier League looks team looks down and says, "Oh, well, we've got a positive case, so I guess that means we can, we can, we can, we can uh, delay the match." Uh, something's got to give here. This is this is just getting insane, and I really I I, I don't know. I are you guys are you guys as frustrated as me? Uh, I am absolutely frustrated as you because as a Newcastle fan, um, if my team plays Saturday, Burnley will have four games in hand versus us going into this uh, into the season. That's unacceptable because that uh, I mean by the time those games could be played, there could be a distinct competitive advantage for Burnley in the relegation fight, and that does not seem fair. So. I don't know if we have to go for a two-week break to get all these players, you know, fit and healthy, but I'm frustrated. As, I'm frustrated at them. Well, to me, it's just it's a problem of communication. I mean, the Premier League has to say, look, the, these this is the set of criteria, and this is what you know. You this is what clubs have to. This is the situation clubs have to be in in order for matches to be postponed. I understand COVID stuff. Like there was a time I think the Manchester United had to shut down their entire training complex, and I, I think maybe Spurs also had to do that. That I get. Like if you if your players can't train at your home base, if you have to shut it down and clean everything, and everybody has to go away for a while because the outbreak is just that serious. Okay, yeah, maybe you should have your matches postponed. We all knew about the African Cup of Nations going into this. Liverpool, chief among them, they've lost their their two best players for the better part of a month. That was not a surprise to anybody. That shouldn't count. Injuries, I think I've said before, West Ham have been without like an entire back line at some point in this season, and yet we've coped. So I, I'm sorry, but that's just not going to cut it. Suspensions? I think the problem... Don't get stupid yeah. red cards. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem, too, is is this wasn't addressed early enough, and this is obviously something of the Fulham fan... We've had to deal with yeah. a lot. We had three matches postponed, and our January, um, you know, is incredibly congested with fixtures. Congested with fixtures, and and I think going into the, I mean, the rule should have been: listen, if if between your first team and your, you know, U twenty threes, you have eleven starters and three subs, you know, including a, a backup keeper, then you can't back out. You got to play the game, you know. And and maybe you could give preference to teams that were one hundred percent vaccinated, if you know. If they have such a, uh, you know, if, if your team's 100% vaccinated and be, between all these other th- injuries and, and players out or whatever, you can't play, then, okay, maybe it gets suspended. But it just seems at the moment like it's an excuse for teams that would, under normal circumstances, be forced to play with maybe a subpar starting 11. It's giving them an excuse to back out, wait until players come back and get healthy to play some of these these matches. And to me that's unfair and you have to, you know, there has to be a significant change put in place. And unfortunately it's kind of tough to figure out um, on a lot of these cases due to health regulations and health privacy laws, exactly which players are out and, and, and et cetera. But I mean, if, I think if you just make it stricter or listen, if you've got X amount of players you play or put it this way, if you don't have enough players to play between all the, I mean, however many, players you have in your you know on your team throughout all of your levels if you don't have players to play then you lose the other team is three points you forfeit i mean i I guarantee you if arsenal would have been forced to forfeit the match sunday uh, as opposed to postponing it they would have figured out how to have enough players to play 
Yeah, they they wouldn't have played the under twenty three match on Friday, or you know, or they they played on Thursday against Liverpool. I don't, I just don't understand how you can play on Thursday and then turn around and say, oh, we can't play on Sunday. No, that's not how that works. Like either you play or you don't. And I agree. I th- I think we need to get to a point now where, unless you meet some of these strict criteria, if you feel that you cannot field a a a first team in these games, if you if you feel like you can't field you know, 11 outfielders in the requisite amount of subs, you don't play. Like, that's it. It's over. And as difficult as it would have been to have seen a forfeited North London Derby, it's a whole lot easier than this because now we've got to go and we've got to figure out another time to play this game. You know, we've got to go. Uh, fortunately for Arsenal fans, you're not playing in Europe this season. So I guess that's that's uh, that opens up some dates for you. And, and of course, Spurs... Uh, have been through this already. They got kicked out of Europe because they couldn't fulfill all of their fixtures. And you know what? They're they're pressing on. And so, yeah, I, I think we, we've got to start saying, hey, that's enough. In fact, I think the Premier League, the best thing that they can do is say, look, coming out of this winter break with the January transfer window closed, as of that moment, unless you're at a state where you can't train because there's the COVID cases are so insane that you have to shut down your training ground or something. You have to fulfill this fixture with the players that you have, from your academy to your under-23s, your first team, whatever. You have to fulfill it. And if you don't, or if you can't, then you forfeit. That 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 has to be it, because this is getting ridiculous. Jordan, you brought up a really good point. Burnley, they had another game postponed today. I think it was against Watford. And so they've got, they've only played 17 matches. Chelsea, who's, uh, uh, they were, well, they're in second now. They played their 23rd match. That's six games difference between uh, a, a team who's played, you know, the requisite amount of matches and Burnley who've played the least amount. Six games. That's ridiculous. Four games on Newcastle and some of the other, um, you know, opponents in, in the uh, uh, the relegation fight. So, Something absolutely has to change, and you know, I, I do. I think something that's a little bit promising. I think this is starting to get on the nerves of fans, and so maybe the clubs will start to try and, you know, not piss them off and actually field teams. Um, but on the other hand, you know, that can also be bad because I mean, if you 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 know, it's it's fueling a sort of a disconnect and a. And a dislike between these these fans who are just like, look, we're we're paying good money, we're arranging to go and watch these fixtures. You're canceling them us last minute. Why should we go? Why should we go watch? And you never want that situation. So hopefully, it's it's especially after the winter break, it, it's going to start to uh, to improve. But it's it's ridiculous and, and not having a set of standards from the very beginning. I mean, that's just that's inexcusable. So uh, we'll have an update on the North London Derby when it happens. But until then, uh, we'll look a little bit farther up the top of the table. And we see that uh, Manchester City are even farther ahead than they were the previous weekend. That's thanks to a 1-0 win against Chelsea at the Etihad. Um, This may not have been the weekend where the title was wrapped up, but I would certainly think that Chelsea's chance to win their first title since 2017 has definitely ended. Um, a great goal 
by Kevin De Bruyne, scored um, in the 70th minute. Just a, a wonderful strike that seemed to catch uh, Kepa Aretha Balaga off um, in the Chelsea goal. Um, we, we've talked a little bit. We'll, we'll maybe talk a little more, bit more about Chelsea, but we've talked about their woes before and how much they've seemed to struggle here and there um, in in this fight to stay relevant in the title race. But when when this result came across, Caleb, you asked a really good question on the text, and I I, I think this is a really good discussion. Um, so De Bruyne obviously scored uh, the the winner, and you asked, has Kevin De Bruyne been the best player in the league over the past? I think you said over the past month or so. Um, and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. If I got that question wrong, but basically it's insinuating De Bruyne has been pretty good lately. Yeah, I mean that was kind of. That was kind of my initial question, and I actually did a little bit of, of digging. And obviously, I mean, you know, statistics are one thing; eye tests is another thing. But if you look at since he's since he returned to the regular lineup for City, which was kind of mid December, the last time he was a sub was December eleventh. So since about uh, literally a month ago, I think it was December seventeenth was the next match. So the past month, he started six matches. He scored four goals. He's had an assist. Um, and depending on, you know, which, you know, statistics you look at and, and which website you look at, depending on, you know, what his, his average performance is, um, it, it's, it's kind of top of the league. And if you look at other players who you would argue have probably been the player of the year so far or player of the season, um, like Salah, you know, during the same time period has struggled because he's been injured and then he went to AFCON, you know, Bernardo Silva and Connor Gallagher, Diego Iota, all these, all these players have played well all season but over the past month haven't been that productive and so I mean other than maybe someone like Jared Bowen who who's you know played really well uh, in that same time span I think it's pretty easy to argue that Kevin De Bruyne has been the best player definitely the best player for the best team over the past month and he's done it as part of three-man midfield he's done it kind of in a number 10 position so he's he's been really um versatile uh for Pep as well I I think I looked at it in just a rough kind of a, a a rough statistic here, which is in the past seven games or so, and this is regardless of whether or not De Bruyne played well in that match. But in the last seven, he has either scored a goal or contributed to a goal, so he's he's had an assist, and I'm sure he's done a lot more than that. So, and it's super important for a team like Manchester City to have that kind of you know. Like, to have that you know person step up at this time, um, because like you know we've been over this. They don't have a recognized striker. There's no real, you know, if you look at it on paper, I don't think there's any real. Oh well, yeah, the the, the path to goal is through this guy. So you need somebody or somebodies to be on top of it and to be getting goals for you or to be laying those goals on for you to be creative to really drive that that midfield engine forward and he's been that he's been that over the past month and he's done it it's hot it's weird to say this but I, I think he's done it relatively quietly um but he certainly has become you know like you said Caleb in, in a team that was already good he's, he's become the man of the moment and it's it's starting to show um Jordan what what have you thought of, of De Bruyne lately and I mean is he do we feel like maybe he's maybe he's emerging at the right time to sort of guide city to the title. 
it's it's weird to say that Manchester City and the way they play do not evoke any positive emotion whatsoever from someone watching such a brilliant side. Like you were talking about how you felt a malaise on Saturday morning. And I was about to come back with, well, you were watching Manchester City play. You were in a malaise because that's exactly what it feels like watching a match. And it's no, no offense to the Manchester city players. They're excellent. Every one of them is quality. Uh, And they all have that ability to, you know, jump out and, um, you know, be the, uh, the, the, be the, 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 uh, you know, ignition for a couple weeks, but it's, it's 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 incredibly soulless. If I have to say so myself. <laughs> um, like they 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 they, t- they bring you so wide. Like you, if you look at the way their midfield three line up when they're in the attacking uh, uh, third, the two what you would describe as central midfielders, the way they're lined up, they're at the edges of the box. Um, they're at the edges of the of uh, uh, the box. So, um. Their goal is to, you know, spread your team out, make you defend the entire width of the pitch, and then with all of the movement between the the midfielders, the the wingers and forwards, and the the you know basically the wingbacks because that's how their fullbacks play, they're creating these little triangles that will eventually pull you out of pull you out of a position to make an easy slide pass. Uh, uh, into someone who's going towards uh, going towards the uh, the goalie box, and uh, then it's an easy it's either a cross or it's a, a shot from a decent enough angle. Um, so it's it's nice to see Kevin De Bruyne healthy, and I think that's what kind of held him yeah. back in the past couple of years is just the constant niggling injuries. He picked up, which he, he did go down a little bit in the Chelsea game, if you remember, uh, because I believe he got uh, uh, a tackle, uh, came across his hammy back there. And so um, he was down for a little bit. It looked like he was about to be, uh, you know, taken out, subbed out of the match, but he, you know, continued playing. But he is the best player going right now, and he, he is probably the spark that Manchester City needs. Going into Feb- going into February and then March to secure the title, um, but on a whole, just because of the injury component, I wouldn't say he's the best player of the uh, of the Premier League for the total year. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah, I think that still belongs to Mo Salah, but it's 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 Salah and then it's De Bruyne like right there, and that's yeah. just because of his 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 his. Uh, Jack, no, I wouldn't say Jack Wilshire like history with injuries, but they do kind of tend to pile up in a season. And there's there's definitely a contrast when you look at City with De Bruyne and then their opponents Chelsea, I think, because you have with with De Bruyne and City, you have a guy stepping up for his club at the moment, leading them through a match like this, getting the goal that they need. A, a, a great goal. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. I do think that if uh, Mindy had been in goal instead of Aretha Balaga, he probably would have saved that just because he's got, like, you know, if you use the boxing language, he's got a bit more reach. Um, you know, he's just, just, he gets those big mitts out there. But it was still a great goal. And 
you look across, you look at Chelsea, and I'm just not seeing that. I don't see anybody rising up and taking these games by the scruff of the neck and really making making it count and making a difference. Yeah, I mean, I Saturday's game I thought was was kind of bleh. You know, it 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 didn't feel like it didn't feel like a clash of these titans. It sort of felt like a a a sort of a a, a tight you know. <laughs> It felt like two particles sort of really, really close together bouncing off the walls and, and just sort of, you know, sort of vibrating there. Yeah, it's a little bit interesting, but there's nothing happening until De Bruyne stepped up and, and made the difference. Um, but, you know, Chelsea, they, they need that right now. They need somebody to come up and, and to say and to make the difference. They had a 1-1 draw against Brighton today, um, which could have very easily have, have been a loss uh, down there on the south coast. So uh, they they need something. They need... Lukaku, Werner, Mount, somebody to step up and to to you know, start to take these games, um, or they, they could continue to fall. I mean, you know, they're without Reese James. They'll be without Ben Chilwell for a little bit longer. Um, you know, Conte's not really looking all that great in the midfields, which is kind of weird for him. I don't know. It's just, it's not looking great for Chelsea right now. I I, I wonder. And I, I just, it makes me feel like they can continue to fall farther because I don't see anybody in that team stepping up and saying, I'm the guy for this moment, I will lead. I think Lukaku could have been that, but I think that ship has sailed. And at some point you have um, to look at what's going on and you have to blame Thomas Tuchel at some point, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's got all of the, I mean, the team hasn't changed fundamentally. Um, you know, it's not like they were, it's not, I mean, obviously Lukaku was hurt for a bit, but it's not like, you know, he's still hurt. So I just, at some point you have to wonder like, what, what else do you need, man? I mean, you've got, you know, seemingly all the players that you need in order to be successful. So it just, it just seems very odd that um, they, they perform so poorly. Um, and and at some point it, that rests on Tuchel. He's got the players that he needs. So why aren't you performing well? Where's Saul? You know this guy that you brought in for all this this money, um, very very late on in, in the summer transfer window. I think he's played a total of like five matches. How is that possible? I mean, this was such a huge a huge buy, or supposedly it was, and he's just sitting there sort of twiddling his thumbs on the bench. I do, I yeah. I mean, I think he's got to start taking some of the blame. And I really wonder how big of a motivator he is. He seems to get upset a lot. Can I reiterate the point that I think Chelsea's most dynamic midfielder is on the is on loan till uh, till the end of the season at Crystal Palace, and will probably be the reason why Crystal Palace stays up. Uh, I mean, he'll be a reason, but I don't know. I I don't know. It. I would be interested to see. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how Conor Gallagher works in in this in this Chelsea team because he obviously shines at Palace because he's got talent at that team and his talent is on that level. And so he, he feels like he's got the room to really step up. Would he, would he have that room at Chelsea, you know, with, uh, with a manager like Thomas Torchell? I I don't know, but that's, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. He's, he's definitely doing the job for him. Um, so like I said, that, that win put Chelsea or put us, uh, didn't put Chelsea, put Chelsea down by a lot. It put city, uh, kept them in the driver's seat uh, for the title. Um, the second most interesting match that actually happened this weekend, 
I think happened at Villa Park, and so we're we're taking a a trip down a few places uh, in the table. Uh, Aston Villa two, Manchester United two, Champions League chasing Manchester United two. Um, Villa with a stunning comeback, um, capped by uh, an equalizer in the 82nd minute by the new old man Philippe Coutinho on his debut for the Villains. Um, Two goals from Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United, um, who, yeah, give him credit, he struggled some time uh, this season, so that's that's good for United fans, but Jacob Ramsey, um, beginning his transition from a boy to man in at, at Villa Park with not only a great goal to start the comeback, but also laying that one up for Coutinho for the equalizer. Uh, so uh, a good, uh, great performance by Villa, um... I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it, this before, but uh, my sister is dating a guy um, who we might have on the podcast coming up here um, uh, in, in maybe next week, maybe the week after. But uh, he's a Manchester United fan, and so we were texting about this game, and so they went up 2-0. I was like, oh, okay, it's probably good. But I, I did call this. I said, I'm looking forward to the moment that Villa score two goals here in the second half and uh, and, and start to take charge of this one. And they did because it it, it just felt like that. And so, I mean, maybe this is a question we should save for for when he uh, when he arrives. But I'll ask it now. I mean, I just feel like this right now is the farthest from the old Manchester United that we have ever been. You know, everybody talked about you know the 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 coming down from the Fergie years and you know them struggling and and going through this manager and that manager and bringing in these players, spending all this sort of money, but giving away a two-goal lead in this manner that's just so un-Manchester United. It just feels like... It, it feels like we're, we're, we're... We've reached a new rock bottom. What's all this we talk, Adam? Thought you were a hammer as a whole. Okay, <laughs> I just meant as as a in in the history of of in in the in in the in the, in the footballing world as right. we've watched as, as we're watching this drama called football. Sure, um, this is sort of a, a new step down for Manchester United. Um, I don't know. It just it, that's just the way it felt to me. It just it, they don't they're not taking charge of games like they used to. And I th- if you look at if you look at who they're starting and you just look at who's on the team, it's it's you know it's very clear that the issue rem- continues to be there's a lack of a cohesive strategy from the top down, and that has created kind of this hodgepodge of players for a different position, you know, different places in their career, who have different strengths, and you know that's what we really would get onto Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about was that he just kind of would throw. 11 players on the pitch and say, play your best and, and come back with the win. And obviously that doesn't work. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest question marks for United this summer is a, we don't know who's going to lead them and B, depending on who leads them, there needs to be a clear set kind of strategy so that we can understand. And so that they understand which kind of players they need to keep, which kind of players they need to pursue, and which kind of players they need to get rid of. I mean, it's pretty clear that, there's a lot of guys on the team who just aren't useful for them anymore. And part of that may be the fact that strategically there's not, you know, a clear structure. 
part of that is age. Part of that is they just would work better in different systems. But I mean, Harry Maguire has not been good. Edison Cavani has two goals. Marcus Rashford has not been good. And so um, the good news for United is I think there's plenty to work with. And obviously they have the resources to be competitive this summer for certain signings. But this isn't a problem you can just throw money at. This is a problem that's been going on for quite a few years. And you need somebody with vision at the top to say, this is the kind of system, this is the kind of team, these are the kinds of players we need, and then to go and get those players and develop them, et cetera. And, and that's what they need to do. And this would be a good time of the year to do it. I mean, you're in a January transfer window. You can bring in players or you can, you know, you're a bit more open to do some business that maybe doesn't happen until the summer, but you do it now. And we're just not getting that. I mean, there's rumors about them needing a new midfielder. What else is new? You know, but I, I was just thinking about it. I, Other than De Gea, Rafael Varane, uh, maybe Ronaldo. Maybe. I, I think every, everybody else is kind of up. It's up in the air whether or not they would be a Manchester United player next season. I mean, that's just how inconsistent everybody has been. And I know they've had some injuries here and there. I think, um, you know, Luke Shaw has gone, gone, gone through some lately. Um, you know, Ronaldo was out because of injury the, the other, the other day. Um, I'd probably keep Greenwood. Um, yeah, that's Sancho. a good one. I mean, those two, but I agree with you. I mean, for the most part, you could probably, you know, you could probably pick any name out of the hat and, and move, move them on either through a sale or release. And you, you you might have, you know, you might have a better team because of it. Yeah, and I, I, but that's the thing. I just, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a massive overhaul, and I just, it would probably be better for them if they were able to do some of that this, uh, this January. Um, you know, it started out looked great under Ralph Ragnick. You know, there were a lot of, a lot of talk about how quickly the players had taken to his tactics, and you know how 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 awesome they were. Even he commented he were like oh they, they've really taken on to it and they you know they had, they had good good performances and how quickly that has changed i mean i feel like that's lasted about a week now we're getting stories about how you know the players are you know they, they've they've they're into their groups there's clicks at the club players who don't really like ralph radnick or respect him but don't really you know like the direction of the club other players who, who definitely like it and um you know I think in that there's been some good stories. Diego Delo sort of um, was on the outskirts under the last few um, few managers from Manchester United to suddenly kind of come back, and he's starting it right back. He's looking very good. Um, and I guess I, I say all this to kind of ask Jordan. I, I want to get your feelings on this. You know, Ragnick's still the interim manager. He was brought in to do a temporary job. But is there a point at the season that we could reach where if you're Manchester United, if you get to that that low, you say, you know, maybe we need to rethink the in, this interim thing and bring in somebody else to see out the rest of the season, see if we can improve our position. Is there a point where Ralph Ragnick, the time goes up for him, or do you think that by this point it's just we, you, they stick with him until the summer? I mean, I think that's why you brought him on an interim basis was to ride this out, right? And to you know, I mean, to but what if you're not like what if you're not liking the ride? <laughs> I mean, I no, I agree with well, you. I think that's yeah, but I mean, if you're not liking the ride, then 
you bring, then you'll end up with someone like Ole Gunnar, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and then you'll he'll you know he'll he'll get the he'll he'll get the warm and fuzzies going again. Uh, you'll be uh, you know sipping on your mem- uh, you know eating your member berries, you know remembering all the good times, uh, and then a couple of years later when nothing is panned out because you don't have a plan going forward. Like you don't have a serious long-term plan with like a six-month a six-month manager search to find the person you believe will take your club forward, then we'll be back in the same position. Um, it's I was gonna say it's funny to me that you know Philippe Coutinho uh, once a uh, once a red always a red because he just had to you know sh- you know put it to Manchester United in his debut <laughs> debut with Gerard for, in the uh, dugout. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, I, I, I almost felt like there was a uh, standard, there was a uh, standard and chartered training uh, shirt underneath there somewhere. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, we do, I talked about the the uh, the lack of emotion that you get from watching a Manchester City side dominate like they do, boy. You are right, Adam, and how far it, it, Manchester United has fallen because watching them play, you could never say that they did not provoke some sort of emotion out of you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. Whether whether it was just incredulity at somehow, like in the ninety fourth minute of extra time, or like in the fourth minute of extra time, they get that goal they need, or you know um, they go down. One nil, but at halftime they come out and they they score three by the seventy fifth minute. It's three one under you know Sir Alex. They always played with great passion. Um, yeah. You could say that it's a it's a culture thing at this point, but there is a definite lack of accountability and just overall seriousness. I feel like at the club. Yeah. Um, very similar to another team that I happen to support that also plays the sport of football, American football, that is, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Just for the record, you brought this up, not me. I know, I know. And then just like just like the college team that I have a loose affiliation with, University of Texas, I believe the term is called country club atmosphere. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Manchester United has had for a very long time. So, yes, if I'm a United fan, I ride this exper- I ride this this R- Ralph Ragnick thing out, hoping and praying that my board is using the time properly to actually do a managerial search and find the next person who will come in during the summer with a proper plan and a proper idea in mind for what this club needs to be and then go forward from there. Make sure I keep talking about. You know, we've had players come out, and Christian Ronaldo's come out and, and said some of this. Ralph Ragnick's come out and said, and said this, which is that, you know, they 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 want top four. They want they want to be in the top four. That's the goal this season. That's what they're driving for. That's what they believe they can achieve. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, after this performance, you know, before this, if you'd have said, I'd be like, ah, eh, you know, I could see that. But I mean, it's something just feels wrong at this club. And I don't know if, if top four is in the future for this club. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll see. Well, maybe we'll, we'll save that for next, next week or the week after we'll, when uh, we can get Devin on here. Um, and uh, we can rib him about how, how this club is doing. 
Um, moving on, I, I want to take a look now at the other end of the table, and we'll start, of course, with the team that is very near and dear to the Weed, all the pies heart. Newcastle won, Watford won. Uh, Chris Wood, on his debut, was almost marked by a very valuable three points for the Magpies, uh, thanks to a wonderful goal by Alan St. Maximin. By the way, I just, just want to mention, Jordan, um, I've got that sort of, let's simulate what Newcastle would be like with a bunch of cash uh, career mode going in FIFA, and I have scored many a goal in that exact manner with Alan St. Maximin getting the ball off an opponent, cutting inside, and scoring at the near post. It almost never fails. Uh, however, João Pedro uh, broke Newcastle hearts late in the 88th minute with his own fantastic goal. Newcastle, they're in 19th place. They're in a mix of the relegation scrap. Um, you know, it looked like it was it was going to be a nice and rosy start for Chris Wood. Jordan, it didn't turn into that. Um, is, is there more help on the way? What are we hearing in terms of the next player that's going to come to Newcastle who could probably, hopefully, help them out of this jam? Well, uh, from what I have heard, uh, it is Diego Carlos, uh, the uh, 20-year-old center back from Sevilla. Oh. Uh, Brazilian has also said um, that uh, he's he's ba- like he's basically told Sevilla, "Hey, I've come, I want to go to Newcastle. You don't have a choice. Take what they're offering. I've already accepted personal terms. Otherwise, I'm going to be a problem." So that's good. That's uh, a that's a great attitude to be bringing into the first team. <laughs> well, uh, again, he plays. Yeah. Uh, he, he he's leading Sevilla, who's second in the league, and I believe has only allowed 14 goals uh, in all of uh, La Liga play which is 19 less than what Newcastle has allowed. Um, and I think he'll be a welcome addition to a uh, center back lineup that includes a player who I believe should be stripped of the captain's, uh, captaincy. Uh, Jamal Lascelles. Whoa. Why? I, I That was on him. That goal, that Jao Pedro goal was on him. So just because of the, uh, that one goal, he should be stripped of the captaincy? No, no, okay. but it, it's been coming. It's been coming because every time, every time he's in the lineup, there, every time we go up, there's always like a eighty seventh to eight, like eighty fifth to eighty ninth minute goal that brings us back level. And it's usually because of a mistake on his part. Um, he, I don't know what happened. I, I, I you might want to blame Steve Bruce on this one. I'm gonna blame Steve Bruce on this one, but I, for you know, sure. Certain players can regress under a manager after a certain period of time, and I think he has. And I, I think he, he needs to. Uh, he, he, he does not need to be the captain anymore. I think it needs to go to Trippier, uh, which I know it's weird to say because he's the new guy. But I think uh, you know, new half season. You know, we have money to spend. Uh, new new players coming in. We need a new attitude because the same old attitude is not going to keep us up. It's gonna it's gonna you know relegate us because we're gonna be oh so close. Which yeah. I mean that's kind of been Newcastle's uh, uh, Newcastle's you know uh, motto for the tenure under Mike Ashley. We were oh so close. Uh, you know we were oh so close to beating beating Benfica in the. Uh, Europa League quarterfinals. 
you know, we were oh so close to getting Champions League qualification the the year before that. Um, you know, we were oh so close to not dropping out uh, in uh, twenty. I think it was what was it twenty eighteen? Was it twenty seventeen eighteen? Yeah, yeah, and uh, then it, well, it may have been earlier than that. But yes, I no, I think you're right. I think that is correct. Yeah. I mean, and there was there was another oh so close back in the nineties. Yeah, we I mean, in ninety six, ninety seven, shut the yeah. hell up, Adam. <laughs> uh, that's that's your old allegiance, sir. Your Manchester United is showing. I'm sorry, that's what we're going to start call, calling it hey, now. Every listen. time you talk too much about, I don't uh, need. Every time you talk too much about the Red Devils, we're going to say your Manchester United is. I don't showing. need to be a fan Caleb, of Manchester United to bring that up. Caleb, you're in agreement with this. No. Um, I'm, I'm, no, keeping an eye, I'm keeping an eye on it. It's starting to rear head. Uh, yeah. Um, pretty soon he'll have the half and half scarf. That's half Manchester United, half West Ham United. Hey, I'll have you know, I got I I have a I got a new West Ham shirt today that came in the mail. So yeah, so take that. Um, yeah, we just we we need, you know, we need a new attitude to take this club forward, and so we got to get. There's got to be change. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be something. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like Trippier, Chris Wood, Chris Wood looked excellent. I mean, uh, you know, he was doing the job what he was brought into, which is use that massive head of his to put balls on the net. Now, I mean, they didn't go in, but uh, that's going to, uh, you know, that chemistry is going to develop. He's going to score goals for us, crucial goals if we, if we want to stay up. So I'm not worried about that. Got to have, got to have the faith. Um, but yeah. the time is, you know, we need we need at least one more signing. Hopefully, hopefully Diego Carlos will be announced by tomorrow. Um, you know, get him in for Saturday. But we need one more signing after that, and we got to bunker down because these games are coming fast and quick. Yeah. And that in stretch in May is going to be tough, no matter what. I would yeah. like to put some distance between us and the other relegation fodder uh, before then. Yeah. Yeah, trip to uh, Ellen Road coming up this weekend, which is going to be very, very tough. Before we move on to the next match, I do, just, I do want to say, to his credit, Joel Linton looks really, really good. <laughs> like, he he, like I, he looks yeah, so no. Yeah, he looks great. You mentioned that a no, few shows ago, so I think. Weird. Yeah. It's so weird that, you know, we paid $40 million from Hoffenheim for a striker, and it turned out, no, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He's a midfielder the whole time. Yeah, no, I'm surprised Arsenal hasn't come in and tried to swoop him because I, I, he looks like the second coming of Patrick Vieira sometimes. <laughs> the way he holds people off the ball, no, I'm dead down. serious. <laughs> it is. I think Patrick Vieira is a bit better defensively, but yes. Yeah, but that big Brazilian lug, uh, I love him as I love him as a number four because he could he could definitely you know uh, you know transition the ball up and hold off people. Yeah. Yeah. So we paid forty million pound, forty million pounds for uh, a box to box midfielder. Who knew? Yeah. Um. Uh. So, on to the next one. This is two more clubs that are uh, facing down some some crisis and some turmoil at the moment. Although things are getting a little bit better for Norwich after that two one win against Everton. Um. And once again, Norwich win. And a manager gets the sack, but thankfully this time it's not their own. It's the opposition manager. Rafa Benitez is out as Everton manager. He was sacked after that defeat. Uh, before we go into that, though, firstly, good win for Newcastle. Um, there's there well, good win for Norwich. 
Um, they are off the bottom of the table. As we mentioned before, Burnley are backloading all their games and they're going to basically just play their entire, their entire season in May. Um, but uh, Josh Sargent laid on a pretty good goal. Yes, it did turn out to be an own goal, but hey, the American stepped up. Um, so yeah, I mean, good winner for Norwich. Gene Smith has got them looking better. Um, but the big story coming out of this one, I think Rafa Benitez gone. Uh, that seemed inevitable. Uh, for a couple of weeks now, I think it, it, it's this has gone on long enough. Uh, Everton announced that uh, Duncan Ferguson would be the interim manager until they could find a replacement. They did approach former boss Roberto Martinez, um, who is currently the manager of the Belgian national team. Now, between now and when the Premier League season ends, uh, Roberto Martinez has, I think, one international with Belgium that he would have to prepare for. Otherwise his schedule is wide open um, as they prepare for the, uh, the world cup in November. But the latest news that I have heard is that Everton's approach as sort of to make this kind of like a, a, a job share thing where he's still the boss of Belgium, but he also comes to, to help Everton out Basically, the Belgian FA said, no, we're not going to do that. We're preparing for the World Cup. We don't want him to be distracted. Um, and we expect he's going to see out his, his contract, which will end uh, after the World Cup. So right now, it looks like Roberto Martinez is, is, is out. Um, Duncan Ferguson's the interim. A lot of names have been thrown around. Who do we think should be the next Everton boss? Who should they look at? Or, you know, is... I mean, Graham Potter's name has been mentioned. Um, Frank Lampard still doesn't have a job. That would be interesting. So, I mean, any any names that we think might be a good fit for Everton right now for where they are as a club? See, Bruce. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, one name that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, I, I, I hear that apparently Everton's reached out to him. Um you know, it, I don't know. It's interesting. Rafa's Rafa's play strategy, his play style, really infuriated fans and players. Um, they have this really odd kind of direct counterattack playing style where they basically never saw the ball. Um, yeah. And you know, Nuno Espirito Santo. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I mean, his tactical style is not. I mean, his teams aren't that direct. <laughs> it seems like um, very much so, opposite. You know, yes. Yeah, very much the opposite. So, you know, I mean, at least on the interim, you know, I think that's a, a potential hire that makes sense. You know, maybe he could get something out of this club. His play style, you know, I think tends to, to favor teams where Everton is. And frankly, Everton's not really in danger of being relegated considering how poor the bottom four teams have been this year. So, um, you know, I think that that's a name to look out for. That is a good one. I didn't really think of, of that one. Um you know, and that actually might 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 fit. Um, I, I look back at this, and and yeah, Rafa didn't have a very very good style, but I do think he was somewhat unlucky. Um, they had some injury issues with Dominic Calvert Lewin, and Yuri Mina was out for a while. Um, you know, their they their defensive backs I think have been sort of in flux, is shuffling different people in there. Um, 
uh, Fabian Delph has kind of spent some time out. That's an experienced guy who who you would uh, you know hope you could you could lean a lot on. Um, <laughs> Michael Keane, I mean, Urkel is is less error prone than Michael Keane this season. I mean, he's just been uh, anytime that there's some sort of just massive defensive catastrophe, Michael Keane's right in the middle of it, and that's just so not him. I have no idea what's going on with him this season. So I, I think somewhat it was it was a bit unlucky, but he started there kind of behind in the count, given his 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 ties to Liverpool. Um, and I imagine the the red side will welcome him back with open arms now and just sort of say, "Well done, Rafa." You, you <laughs> I mean, not that you, not that they needed to be kept down a whole lot more, but uh, you know, he's he's sort of more more in effect. He sort of ruined their rivals more more than he helped them. Um, Are you suggesting that Ralph was a double agent for the whole time? <laughs> hey, I mean, it would explain a few things. Um, but I just wonder if, for Everton right now, I mean, if, if he hadn't been hired by Newcastle, and I wonder why they didn't go get him in the summer, I, I would have liked to have seen Eddie Howe get a crack at this team. You know, and, and I know that he's not, He's obviously with Newcastle now. He's got a whole new project on his hands, and I think he'd rather be there than at Everton. But, I mean, I just feel like that's the kind of manager that they need right now. They need a younger guy, someone who can come in, who can implement a style that is current, that works, that the 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 younger players and, and the, the, the prime players are like, yes, we can do this. This is, this is how we play football now. And so I don't know. Maybe maybe Nuno is that guy. I, I would be interested to see what Frank Lampard could do here. Um, but maybe this is a little bit before him. Uh, you know, maybe this is this is a bit. This would be a bit too much for him at this, at this point in his career. Because there's no reason that Everton shouldn't be challenging for a top six position. Maybe they don't always get in the top six, but they they should always be in that mix. And they're just right now they're they're not. They don't even look close. So. I I think a, a a sort of younger set of hands is is worth bringing in here and saying okay let's let's try something brand new and let's really get behind him. But you also have to consider your place in the table right now. So I don't know is is there enough time for Nuno Espirito Santo to come in and, and make the changes that he needs to. Jordan, any any thoughts on the Everton manager? The open position there. Should Duncan Ferguson be given a chance? Club legend? Um, <clears throat> well, I just thought it was funny that Caleb suggested that he was a double agent for Liverpool. <laughs> no, Rafa Benitez is clearly a double agent for Newcastle. That's why he's uh, tanked uh, Everton's hopes this season because they're still sitting at 19 points that are, uh, you know, can barely clearly fall into the, uh, the you know, the relegation battle. Yeah, but wouldn't, um, it, wouldn't it have been better that he beat Norwich this past weekend um, for you? Not, not really. I mean, because we're, we're, I mean, because we, we're, 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 we're all kind of right there at the bottom. I was, I honestly wanted want more teams to come and kind of separate from like the Southamptons, the, uh, the, um, the uh, Brentfords, the Crystal Palaces. You know, you know. I want to. I want to say to Everton and you know Leeds, come on in. The water's fine, guys. Just you know, sink down here with us into oblivion. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't, you know, Everton are in a weird position too because they're they're hampered by what they can spend. I mean, you saw what he brought in, uh, you know, over the summer, uh, Rafa Benitez. It was Andrews Townsend and Damari Gray, uh, at you know, on, on very cheap, uh, especially with them building that brand new stadium that they haven't even. Uh, I think they're two years away from. It's going to be a challenge to whoever takes this uh, managerial job. Um, I hope Wayne Rooney isn't letting isn't 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 hearing calls from them. He's leaving you know he's leaving them unread because this would be a mistake in his yeah. managerial career if he were to Everton. jump if he were to jump to uh, Everton this early. I yeah I 100% agree. I, I think he's got enough on his hands at Derby. There's no reason for him to. There's no reason for Everton to want to bring to bring him in right now. You know when I said a younger manager who's got it together, uh, I bet someone else. No offense to Wayne Rooney, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this would be way too early for him. Um, so, so that's that's Everton uh, right now. It looks like they'll be going into. Uh, next weekend's match with an interim manager, but uh, we'll see if that changes. Um, all right, we'll get we'll get through these last few matches here just kind of quickly. Um, yeah, West Ham 2, Leeds 3. Uh, just frustrating, uh, kind of annoying. Um, Jared Bowen did well again, um, but I don't know, I just, I, I felt like all three of the goals that were conceded to Leeds were as a result of, of errors by West Ham. And you know Jack Harrison with the hat trick for for Leeds, and yeah, he did he did really well. But Le- uh, uh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, fuck it. If the fans are upset, they'll be upset. Leeds didn't deserve to win this. They they we made them look a lot better than they were, and uh, I they're not this good of a team. Uh, at least they weren't this weekend. So, um, and it's clear that West Ham they just they need reinforcements these last few weeks. They've, they've got to bring in somebody at center back, somebody who can challenge Issa Diop because he's just not it. He's 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 not somebody we can put in there next to Craig Dawson who's already doing a lot of the work and then have Craig Dawson make up for the errors that Issa Diop makes time and time again. So Kurt Zuma cannot come back fast enough, um, and we need some help up top. We need we need to be able to have players on the bench who late in a game like this we can bring on and they can make a difference. We don't have anybody we can bring off the bench right now. Um, uh, some other results. Wolves 3, Southampton 1. Very good win for Wolves, has to be said. Um, but it, did anybody see the, the free kick goal by James Ward-Prowse for Southampton? If you haven't, if you, oh, you, go watch it. Go watch it. It's It's remarkable. I mean that's that's a that's a free kick goal that deserves to have won a game. It's a shame that it was only a consolation because I mean he just smacks that thing up into the top corner. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Liverpool three, Brentford nil. Fabinho, Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, Minamino, all keeping Liverpool at least kind of in a title hunt uh, behind City. Uh, I think they have a game in hand. Uh, over there, uh, over the uh, Manchester City, so they can make up a little bit of ground with that, but it's still going to be a, a mountain to climb. Um, 
And then last Friday night, we had Brighton versus Palace, uh, a 1-1 draw, a very dramatic draw, um, once again, for Brighton. Um, an unfortunate own goal by Joaquin... Joaquin he used to play for Fulham. You can you can say this, I think, Caleb. Anderson? What, how do you say his first name? Well, I believe it's Joachim Anderson. Is it? Yeah. There we go, Joachim. Yeah. Okay. Go. Yeah, because that's Danish. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he was fantastic for us last year. Yeah. Okay. Was sorry, I'm sorry, um, I completely butchered that name. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so know, the M23 Darbians won one. Yes, Jordan. It's always, I, I will say, you know, it's the weirdest Premier League Derby of them all. I feel like, but man, the M23 Derby <laughs> brings a a level of animosity that we don't normally see amongst rival fans anymore. Because uh, did y'all see the flare that was thrown on, thrown on the pitch? <laughs> no, but I I did see the amount. That's just the sheer amount of celebration from both sets of fans at the goals. It was I'll like say, it's ridiculous. Historically, those two sides are very even. I think overall in all of the matches they played, it's like forty eight, forty seven. When you know oh, wow. Brighton and Palace, I mean, and with like thirty something draws, so um, it's a very very tight matchup. Yeah, so that, that that probably helps, but yeah, I mean, it's very good point, Jordan. Just very very uh, some real feelings that were going into that one. Um, okay, so we're gonna we'll take a look back at how we did um, in the top shelf picks this weekend before we start looking ahead. So. Unfortunately, we got to throw out the uh, Tottenham versus Arsenal um, uh, prediction because, of course, that match didn't happen. And that, unfortunately, means that nobody got any points. Um, we all predicted Newcastle would beat Watford. That didn't happen. And we also predicted that West Ham would beat Leeds. I appreciate the support guides, but that also did not happen. So, uh, after that, uh, Caleb still sits top with... Too bad we couldn't have picked Fulham these last couple weeks. Because <laughs> picking y'all's dogs and teams while Fulham's out here scoring 20 goals in three matches. Well, we might get a chance next week to, to pick them with the, the break in the Premier League. Um, uh, so, yeah, Caleb Ball top with 27 points, Jordan with 23, and me with 21. Still rock bottom. Um so before we look ahead to this weekend in the Premier League, Caleb already sort of uh, brought it up. Let's take a look at the championship over this past week and uh, goals flying in at West London at an absolutely insane rate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fulham defeat Birmingham City uh, Tuesday 6-2. So today when we're recording this, 6-2. Oh um, my God. Fair. Their third consecutive match scoring at least six goals. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, happened. if you haven't seen Lee Boyer's reaction to finding out before this match <laughs> how many goals Fulham scored against Bristol City on Saturday, um, go find it on YouTube. It's delightful. Um, he They just played, and he's being interviewed by probably you know media for the team or something. It doesn't look like a like a you know an outside media interview. And uh, the the person talking to him. Mentioned Fulham and at one six two, and he kind of looks up, kind of shocked, and he goes, "What's that? Uh, Thirteen goals in the last two matches?" He goes, "Well, looking forward to that one." <laughs> and then they come to uh, Craven Cottage and get absolutely crushed by the same uh, scoreline six two. <laughs> so yeah, that's nineteen goals, um, four against the last three games for Fulham. 
They are back with a vengeance. They're back to the top of the table um, with 54 points and a goal difference of 47. Um, Alexander <laughs> Mitrovic didn't score to, today, but he had a hat trick in the first half uh, over the weekend. So looks like he's going to crush uh, future Manchester City striker Ivan Tony's championship record of goals in the season, which I believe is 31. So they are, cottagers are flying high. Um, Burnmouth are still in second, but only because of a goal difference, they continue to struggle. They lost 3-2 to a stoppage time winner against Luton Town. Um, the Burnmouth uh, Twitter account posted, because uh, they scored very late, and uh, the Burnmouth um, Twitter account posted, oh, so that's how it feels with this like celebratory shot. And then Luton ends up scoring and winning, and and their uh, Twitter account started giving the cheery some hell. So it's it's fun, it's fun down here in the championship. Uh, lots of lots of back and forth there. Um, Blackburn also has forty nine points. Uh, QPR, West Brom, and um, Middlesbrough round out your top six. QPR in particular playing well. West Brom has been struggling. The bottom three are Peterborough United, Derby County, and Barnsley. Derby County is actually playing pretty well. Um, and are now on top of Barnsley uh, from goal difference. And it looks like uh, Peterborough may actually get out of the bottom three because Reading is kind of reeling right now after they got absolutely just curb stomped by Fulham a couple weeks ago. Um, and Kidderminster yeah. Harriers. And Yeah, so they lost to Kidderminster in the FA Cup, and they lost to Fulham 7-0, and I think they're now considering how much they want to play football. Um, <laughs> match of the week is actually Monday. Monday evening, Ooh. Blackburn and Middlesbrough square off in a matchup of top six teams, and that's your championship roundup. Nice, that'll be very, very good. Yeah, Darby looking looking very good. So I just did the math on this. Um, it's very simple math, but and it was quick. But um, so, oh, you know what? Never mind. Actually, yeah. So Fulham have scored. Let's see. What's the? I'm about to do some even quicker math here. Uh, this is this quarter. Yeah. So over a quarter of the goals that Fulham scored this season were scored in the last week. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's how that works. That's, and that's ridiculous. We've scored more home goals in the last two matches than we did all last year in the Premier League. <laughs> so I, I will say that like, obviously I want Fulham to be in playing top flight football. Right. You know, I think we've got the owner to do it. We've got a core player, so I think can perform well. I like. I think we're going to get automatically promoted. I think we'll make some smart moves. I think we'll, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be able to stay for multiple seasons. And you know, but all that being said, watching Fulham play right now and just absolutely run roughshod over the championship is the most fun I've had watching Fulham. <laughs> In quite some time. So I'm just trying to enjoy this while it lasts. I know that if we get promoted, it's going to be an absolute dogfight to stay up next year, regardless of the moves we make. So right now, I and the rest of the, the uh, Fulham fans are just kind of basking in the glory of playing in a league we truly don't really belong in at the moment. Um, I did hear a rumor today, Caleb, that uh, West Ham are having a look at uh, Mr. Fabio Cabralio. You can have him. Five million pounds. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, cool. Yep. Great. Cost five million pounds. Well, he's, he's, okay. he's not going to sign a contract with us, and he's yeah. he's going to be 
free in the summer. So, um, yeah, you got to fight off Liverpool, I think, for him. But, yeah, he's he's yours Liverpool. if you want him bad, badly enough. And good luck. I mean, he's got a lot of talent, but I don't know how much he's going to – that's a long-term move. I don't know how much he'll help you in the short term. Yeah, I mean, he's 19 years old. He's not going to – I don't know. I mean, i got to be honest with you right now. Anybody anybody who could come on and take the place of, of Antonio and save his, his hamstrings um, – you know, that would be great. He would be a good player to bring on for like the final like fifteen, ten, fifteen minutes of a match because yeah. he's got lots. He's got he's very quick and he's 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 able to create with with the ball. He doesn't have the best finishing touch, but just his ability to like move on the half turn and just create something out of nothing. I think for for a Premier League side, um, you know, he's not a starter, but he could definitely be an impact sub for, for the next you know season or, or two. Come on over, come on over, Fabio. The East End is is calling. That'd be nice. All right, thank you, Caleb. Uh, that great update. Um, I think we mentioned earlier there. So there was a midweek match today. Brighton won. Uh, Chelsea won. There are a few more tomorrow on Wednesday. Leicester City against Tot against Tottenham. That's at two thirty Eastern on USA Network. And then Brentford versus Manchester United, uh, three o'clock Eastern on Peacock. Um, and that leads us into. The weekend, so it's another Friday start for your Premier League weekend. It looks like this: uh, Watford against Norwich. That's at 3 p.m. Eastern time on USA Network. I guess that's on Friday. Uh, Jan- oh, excuse me. Uh, Saturday, uh, Everton against Aston Villa at 7:30 a.m. Eastern time. That is also on USA Network. We have Brentford against Wolves, leading off the 10 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. That's on Peacock. Leeds versus Newcastle. Uh, big match there at Ellen Road. That's on USA Network. Manchester United against West Ham uh, from Old Trafford. That is also on Peacock. And then late game on Saturday is Southampton against Manchester City, 12.30 p.m. on NBC slash Peacock. Uh, it's a very full Sunday. Uh, Arsenal against Burnley starts us out at 9 a.m., or at least we think they will, unless there's some sort of late cancellation once again. Uh, USA Network for that one. Palace against Liverpool is on Peacock at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Leicester City against Brighton also 9 a.m. on uh, also at 9 a.m. Uh, on Peacock. That'll be interesting. I don't think Leicester played for a good minute. I want to say for at least one or two weeks. They might play tomorrow. Yes, they do. They play against Tottenham tomorrow. And speaking of Tottenham, that's the late game on Sunday. Chelsea against Tottenham from Stamford Bridge, 11:30 a.m. Eastern Time on Peacock. So that takes us back to this week's top shelf picks and tried to throw in a little bit of a curveball here for our first one. So the Friday night game, we don't predict a lot of Friday night games. So I figured let's, why not? Let's do it. Watford against Norwich, uh, from Vicarage road, a relegation six pointer, uh, Caleb, you are first up for the picks. What, uh, what do we think of, of, of this dogfight down at the bottom, is it a win for Watford or Norwich going to make it two in a row? Is there a way for them both to lose? They can tie. What? A, what <laughs> you wait? You tell, you're telling me you can tie? You can tie? And there's no playoffs? <laughs> Why are you playing this game? Uh, they're both just fucking awful. I mean, they are just. I mean, I know. I know Norwich beat Everton, but god damn, they play bad. They play bad football. This is a team that drew with New- Jordan's Newcastle last week. Just like, man, they suck. Yeah, they. Well, <laughs> the, both these teams are just yeah, are fucking terrible. Uh, I'm gonna guess a draw because I don't think you, either of these sides is 
is really good enough to win. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go with the draw. You know what's fascinating is they're both so bad. This might actually be a good match. Um, yeah. So we'll, this we'll is one. It, it, it could be a great match or it could be a stinker. Yeah. Or it's just it's just like it's just players kicking the ball in the back of their own teammates' heads and shit like that. Yep. So a draw would I mean goalless one one. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna go two two. Uh, okay. These teams can't two, play two. defense either, so that's true. Say two, two. That is very very true. Uh, I think there'll be goals in this one too. I'm gonna say two one to Watford. Uh, I think I think they'll get a good win out of this. Jordan Watford versus Norwich. Uh, this is to Caleb. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and this is a one one draw. Okay. Everybody going on the boy. I hope I'm right. It's, I, I need some points bad. Um, looking ahead, so so we'll do the Friday night one. Saturday will be kind of a we'll just watch to enjoy. Um, and then on Sunday we'll have two. We'll predict these two. So Crystal Palace against Liverpool from Selhurst Park. This is this is in the past been a pretty good pretty good fixture. Palace are at home. They're going to have the crowd behind them. Liverpool still without some of their best players, but they've been looking very good. Um, oh boy. But I do think Liverpool are on a bit of a tear at the moment. And I think that, uh, they're, they're particularly motivated to stay in this title race, despite the absences that they have right now. So I'm going to say, oh, let's, let's do, I'm going to say three, one to Liverpool. I think, I think so. I think there'll be, I think there'll be a late goal in there. So it'll, it'll be a good game. But uh, Liverpool coming out on top eventually. Uh, Jordan, Palace versus Liverpool. Any chance for the Eagles? Uh, no chance for the Eagles, but it's going to be 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1. Uh, if, if, if Mo Salah and uh, Sadio Mane were back in the squad, uh, then I would say 3-1. But there is just not that spark without those two at the front end of Liverpool's attack. So... Uh, they will get the goals, but they will find it difficult sometime uh, for some time against Crystal Palace. And of course, Connor Gallagher will still somehow either, uh, you know, make a brilliant pass or score this goal to, you know, bring him back with one, you know, bring it back to, you know, one, um, and just make Chelsea fans envious even more so. Why did we send this kid out on loan? Uh. And finally, Caleb, Palace versus Liverpool. Last time these two played, it was 3-0, Liverpool, rather, uh, with Mane and Saul scoring two goals. They're they're not there right now, so I'm going to say 1-0, Liverpool, Palace. It's a very, very tactical pick from the the table leader. And finally, hopefully the London derby that actually happens, Chelsea versus Tottenham. Um, Chelsea, of course, uh, licking their wounds after their defeat to City, and then after that draw, um, Tottenham play tomorrow, so that might factor into this a little bit. They're going to have a day's less rest, and they are at Sanford Bridge. However, Tottenham have been looking very good under Antonio Conte, and this is Antonio Conte's former team, so you know he's going to be up for this. He wasn't very happy about how he was dismissed at Chelsea. He's going to want a result out of this. Jordan, you are first up in your prediction of this London derby. Chelsea versus Tottenham. It's another battle at the bridge. What do we got? Um, it's going to be one nil Chelsea. Oh, okay. I feel like, I, I feel like we talk, we talked this game up, but in the end, there's going to be some, some shots, but some missed opportunities. 
Chelsea is, you know, a, too good of a defensive team uh, to just be, you know, overrun. And, <clears throat> um, yeah, for all the back and forth, it's going to be 1-0 Chelsea. All right, 1-0 to the Blues. Caleb? Uh, this is tough. <laughs> Chelsea's been so bad, man. Like, they yeah. have just played – they've played so poorly. Um, I'm going to say the figure some shit out. And uh, let's say 2-1 to Chelsea, even though I really wanted to pick a draw. But, um, yeah. 2-1 Chelsea. Chelsea finally made it to win their first. They've only won one out of the last six or seven matches, so they really do need one. Yeah. Yeah, one win in their last seven uh, in the Premier League. Um, you know, I think Tottenham are going to come here motivated. They're going to be, uh, I mean, it might depend on the result on Wednesday night, but I, I think they're going to be up for it. I think there's going to be some anger. I think they're going to uh, be letting out a lot of frustration after this past weekend out on their other rivals. And these two teams hate each other. I mean, they re- they really don't like facing off against one another. So I think it's going to be 3-2 to Tottenham. I think they're going to get the odd goal, and it's going to be a hectic afternoon at Stamford Bridge. So that was your top shelf picks for this week. And just a reminder, this so this is going to be the last weekend of Premier League action in January. Um, despite the fact that we've had so many games called off and canceled and postponed and moved and whatever verbiage you want to use there, um, they've still said, no, we're going to take a break at the end of January because that's what we're set out to do. So go figure. Um, so we may have to delve into the championship for next week's top shelf picks, uh, gentlemen. So come prepared. I know Caleb, you'll be prepared. So this is more for me and Jordan. We're going to have to come prepared for some extra knowledge so that we can, uh, hope to compete, uh, on that level with you. But, uh, that's exciting. So this is the last weekend of Premier League action for January. Then we get FA cup in the first week of February. So it's going to be a few weeks until we see, uh, some league action again. But uh, certainly looking forward to it. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Let's go eat some pies. Yes, let's go eat some pies. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.